0: Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we talk to the world's most creative people. I am your tireless, faithful, trusty, and relentless host, Sourdough, coming at you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a show for you today. We are going to be talking to one of our grant winners, one of our 2022 Not Real Art grant winners the one and only Buena Johnson, and she is a very special human being. And I can't wait for you to meet her and hear our conversation. Before we get into it, let's talk about the stuff I need you to do. Yes, I have I, you have responsibilities as a listener. By the way, did you did you know that? Well, you should. One of those responsibilities is to call our hotline and tell us what you're thinking about all the stuff that we do. And that hotline number is 833-668-7325. Again, 833-668-7325. Tell us what's on your mind. Send us questions. You know, tell us jokes, whatever. Also, your responsibilities include going to notrealart.com, our blog, and check out all the good, healthy stuff we got for you there. We're always promoting new artists and amazing talent, so go there and scratch that creative itch you have and learn more about amazing artists and their art uh, across the country at notrealart.com. And of course, tell people about this episode, subscribe and follow this episode. If you're not already, be sure to like this episode, share it with your friends on social, make comments. It all charms the algorithm gods, which helps us, and thanks for that. All right, Buena Johnson, let me let me ask you a question. How would you like to have Oprah Winfrey as a collector of your art? How would you like to have Holly Berry as a client? How would you like to have Queen Latifa or Dick Van Dyke or Ariana Huffington? as collectors of your work. Well, let me tell you what Buena Johnson has all those people (laughs) as collectors of her work. She is an incredible artist and human being. And she's also one of our 2022 grant winners, one of our class of six new winners from 2022 who we're going to be featuring on this podcast starting right now. Buena is the first of our featured guests and you're going to love hearing from her. She's such a great soul, great spirit, incredibly talented, went to Pratt, did very well, the commercial art side of things on her journey to being a fine artist, full-time fine artist, which she's doing. And as, as you can tell, just by her collector base, her work is resonating incredibly uh, with some amazing humans as well. Be sure to check her out online and follow her on social, check the show notes for her links. Artbybuena.com is her website and Buena Vision Art. And Buena, by the way, is spelled B-U-E-N-A. Find her on Instagram at Buena Vision Art. But I've just so enjoyed talking to Buena today and uh, hearing her story. Her energy is so positive and uplifting, as well as her work, taking on tough topics, tough issues, but doing it in a really positive, uplifting way. So without further ado... Let's get into this episode and hear from our grant winner, our 2022 Not Real Art grant winner, Buena Johnson. Buena Johnson, welcome to Not Real Art.
1: Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here and an honor to have been asked.
0: You're one of our 2022 grant winners. And so this is all about you. We're here to honor you. Uh, we're so thrilled to have you part of the Not Real Art family. How did it feel that day when you uh, got the uh, call to let you know that you won our grant?
1: Well, because uh, someone else is listening, if uh, we could turn it down some, then I would I would like, let you hear my actual scream. <laughs>
0: Uh, it was, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was like, oh, you know, really a joy, a surprise. The way I found out before I looked online is that on Instagram, someone said that they was congratulating me and I'm like, for what? <laughs> and so I kept reading on and then I'm like, wait, are they, are, are they mistaken? So I went to the the not real art grant site and absolutely it was my picture was there, my images to confirm, and I'm like, oh my word. So it wow, I'm so grateful, honored, and humbled because I know that I'm sure that there were many other submissions, and it's just always an honor to be selected amongst so many talented and sometimes very Mature artists that are very, very have been out there for a while. So, so I'm honored. Thank you. And it came at a great time.
0: (laughs) Well, and you're so welcome. And I, and we're honored to have you as part of the class of 2022 if you will and and to be part of our Grant alumni now we've been running the Grant for almost 5 years 4 years so we've got a number of winners i guess uh let's think about this do we have 30 winners now i mean it's <laughs> it's wow. a lot so wow. we're we just we just love our grant winners and you hit the nail on the head cuz of course while it's always wonderful to be able to pick up the phone and call our winners and tell them that uh, they they'll, they'll be receiving our grant it is a very stressful process to make sure that we're evaluating and giving every artist every applicant a fair shake because you know we had well over 300 applications this year oh, wow. you know and it's just so so much talent so much ability and really at the end of the day art is such a personal subjective thing mm-hmm. if you will mm-hmm. that how do you choose between diamonds right <laughs> you know uh, at the end of the day and so and so you know Thank we you. do we <laughs> well that's how it feels right it's like it's like okay well what are we really what using here criteria decision making how are we covering each other, the judges, you know, making sure that we're doing our best to take out bias and take out subjectivity and what have you. And so we we work very hard, take it very seriously to make sure that it all feels very fair and, and balanced. So anyway, so we're, we're just at the end of the day, we're happy, so happy for our winners and to, to be able to make those calls. I'm the lucky guy. I get to call the winners and hear those screams uh, that you talk about. And so, yeah, that's always a, f- a fun day for me. And I get to increase my friends because I get new friends like you. And so uh, here we are. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank
0: you. It goes both ways. Oh, thanks. Thanks. How old were you when you started drawing? Was art something you started making as a little girl?
1: Funny that you should ask that, of course. Yes. Yes. It started at a very early age. I may have been about four or five years old. And it's just that I found that I was mesmerized by art. I wasn't introduced to it earlier than that. And when I first had my exposure to someone being able to create art, I just just thought it was like something from heaven. Who has this power? Who gave them this magic power to create like this? And from that point on, I wanted to do art, even like I said before school age, more than I wanted to go and eat. It just... Consumed me and it started from there. Yes.
0: So you were the kid in class that everybody wanted them to draw their animals? was <laughs> you know, like, oh. Uh, no, they're paper dolls. Yeah, they're paper dolls, doll, right. And right. then
1: because at that time I wasn't that, I didn't know a lot about figurative art. Mm-hmm. So, I would always draw the paper dolls with little thin waists because, you know, like television showed, like the, the voluptuous waist of models and whatnot was always thin. So, I would draw my paper dolls with thin waists. And so they would always end up breaking for the people that I gave them to. So, they would come back to me. And so, I actually, I guess I was an entrepreneur at a young age and didn't know it because they would always have to come back to me to get more doll dresses and things like that and redraw (laughs) the figure because it would break in two with the thin waist you know, and the curvature. Yeah, yeah. I became popular for that.
0: So who do you get your artistic talent from? Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa? Where does it come from?
1: Well, my mother, because I was the youngest in my family, I would be at home, I would be alone and lonely, and my mother would just draw figures for me. And She thought that they were not, they didn't matter, she thought that they were like stick figures. But to me, they were just, they were everything, they were life. So she was actually my earliest mentor for art. From there, I went on to go on to winning awards in school, from elementary up through junior and high school and in college. And that was inspiration for me, being propelled with that because my parents, because they weren't artists, they didn't really understand how I was going to ever make a living. Right. They were concerned about my, my future. So winning the awards were uplifting for me and then going on and creating a career out of it made a difference. Yes.
0: That's a parent's job, right? To worry about the practical stuff. (laughs) You know, it's like, my God, how is my child going to feed themselves? My daughter is talking about being a dancer, actor, dancer, whatever. I was like, oh, my God, you know, (laughs) here we go. You know, I'm going to be that parent. Well, they said, if you're going to get a degree in art, if you're going to
1: continue with the art, at least become a teacher, you know, get a teacher's degree. And so that's what I did. My first degree was a bachelor's of science in education. But I realized that I didn't mind teaching, but I wanted to be an artist. So I furthered that by going, well, I, I jumped around a lot. After my first degree, I, I, then I went to Cleveland Institute of Art. I took their foundation program. And from there, I transferred out into Philadelphia College of Art. And then I felt like I wasn't getting challenged enough there You know, not putting anything down about their art program. It's just, it was me. So then we were so close to New York that that I transferred into Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York, where I met not only a challenge, but I met my match, so to speak. The students there were some of the best and the teachers were some of the best that I'd ever encountered. Students would, rather than eat, they would go and make sure they had their art supplies. And then on the day of critiques, I mean, it was just, I was speechless. I'm like, oh, my word. I said, I want to be this good and better. So I did end up getting my degree from there in a Bachelor of the Fine Arts. But I also loved photography. So I kind of almost like double majored. And I don't know if you know much about New York, but the school makes you have a, kind of like a, a big head.
0: Yeah. Pratt is a very prestigious art school. So so for you to be there, that says a lot that they uh, accepted you. And so, yes, coming out of there, I'm sure you were feeling quite confident.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a bit much. (laughs) And so then I went into, moved to Chicago. Well, I went to Cleveland for a while and I walked into the newspaper offices there, you know, saying that I'm a freelance illustrator That's what I was calling myself then. And I would like to do an article, you know, for your newspaper. And he just looked at me like, you know, we have seasoned people working here. Why do you think that I would want to give you a job fresh out of school? And, you know, for me, like I said, going with the big head, I'm like, you know what? Just give it to me and I will show you kind of thing. Sure. And they tried me on a small article. I came back, just did my best and came back. And they're saying, "Okay, well, what would you think about if we give you a full page? (laughs) So so that was my my first introduction to thinking like, wow, I could really make it as an artist. And not only did they give me the full page, but then I was able to pick up two art agents, not one, but two. And I was always told out of school, you know, don't get an agent because they'll just rip you off. And all these things, and for me, it was the most lucrative ever. You know, I started working. I had accounts with United Airlines, YWCA, on and on, just huge accounts, and it was amazing. I was able to pay cash for my first car. <laughs>
0: you know, so
1: yes, it was good for me.
0: <laughs> so you were doing that while you were in Chicago. You were working in the in the ad business in Chicago. What what were you doing in Chicago?
1: Yes, I was, and. Not only was I working in the advertising and editorial industry, I also I don't know how I did it, but at the same time I was working full time at a photo lab and I remember my agents would come to the lab to pick up my the assignments that were due. So, I don't know when <laughs> I used to sleep. I guess when you're young that no, doesn't that, matter well, that's
0: what i was gonna say i was gonna <laughs> you know,
1: say your your heart is on fire your passion is on fire and that's how they come yeah
0: yeah 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 you could do it because you were 25 <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and passionate right driven you exactly
1: know? exactly
0: yeah i'm 25 now too oh wait i'm sorry i'm 52 <laughs> i got the numbers back just My turn it hope. around yeah. right <laughs> yeah just turn it around Well, that's, you're in Chicago, you're working in the ad business, you're paying all, you're paying cash money for big ticket items like cars, you know, life is good. Yes. So how long were you in Chicago and how did you what was your journey from Chicago to LA? Well,
1: it was, I believe I was there for maybe like a year or two. I I don't recall now because I guess I don't think back on that a lot. And then how did I get to Los Angeles? Hmm. I was married There you go. (laughs) And my husband. (laughs) That'll
0: do it. (laughs) That'll
1: do it. (laughs) And my husband wanted to get out of the cold. It was, I believe, not believe, but while we were there, the temperature went down to 50 degrees below with the windshield factor. And I was like, I'd never heard of such before in America. (laughs) Right. And I said, you know, I'm a college-educated person. I'm smart. What makes me not want to leave here and go to somewhere where it's warmer? And that's kind of like what drove me to, to leave there because, again, working at the photo lab, they would have to shovel. The snow would be higher than the door. They would have to shovel us out, shovel the door out for us to go in. And then when it's time to go home, they have to reshovel the door So literally, we were like in a cage, ice cage, (laughs) thinking about LA, the weather, opportunities. We left. Well, actually, because I was still working, he went ahead of me to look for a place. And because I was making really considerable income, I sent money with him to find us a place, sent the car, all of that, got to LA, and I didn't like it at first because it was slower than New York but then um a lot of opportunities started opening up. So that's where we stayed, love the weather, still love the weather. Even the what do you call it? the cyclone bomb rain, I'm even enjoying that.
0: Yeah, the atmospheric rivers, uh yeah, I've heard several terms. Atmospheric rivers, cyclones of rain. I I don't even know. But right. yes, we're getting a hell of a lot of precipitation. And sadly, it mostly all runs into the ocean. Uh, but in the meantime, floods our streets. I hope you haven't sprung a leak. Are you guys doing okay over there? You haven't sprung a leak, have you?
1: I'm fine. I'm just concerned about my garage. I'm not sure what's happened inside there, yeah. if it's leaking or not. But home-wise and studio-wise, I'm fine. No problems. It's just beautiful. When I look out at the streets, my garden, my backyard looks like a jungle. Because it's enjoying the rain and all the weeds have come up, the front yard is like I guess giving praise and Thanksgiving because it is now getting water. So yeah, it's fine. It's great.
0: So when you landed in L.A., about what year was that? When when was that?
1: You know, when you get to be a certain age, we don't like to call out years and numbers. You know,
0: Scott. <laughs> okay, sorry. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I let me, let me, young. I'm happy to, I'm happy to back up and rephrase. Let me, let me, let me do this again. <laughs> when you found yourself thank you. happy in LA thank you, and opportunities and opportunities started to present themselves as an artist. I mean, tell us about that. I mean, what was happening? Did you find opportunities in the commercial art, you know, in the entertainment business, the commercial art scene here, I want to better understand your journey from commercial art into fine art. And, you know, and so how did LA help you do that? Because of course, LA historically has always taken a backseat to New York, right? In terms of contemporary art. Of course, these days, LA is the spot, some would argue, but historically LA has always been played second fiddle, as they say, to New York or London, etc. So take us along your journey in LA and how you Developed uh, as an artist and sort of migrated maybe from commercial art into your fine art practice?
1: Actually, it was sort of a mindset that I no longer wanted to meet someone else's deadlines and be dictated to like what to draw, what it needed to look like. I wanted to be on my own schedule and let the art. I wanted to be satisfied with the art when my spirit was satisfied with it and not based upon the paycheck, the agency, and so forth. So, it was my own doing and almost saying undoing at some point transitioning into fine art. The reason I say that is because of course in the beginning the loss of of the income, you know, was quite a shock. But at the time I as I stated I was married, so kind of help pick up the slack there. But my heart wasn't pleased in the sense that I wasn't getting my work out there. So I decided to join different organizations, you know, women organizations, art organizations, and so forth. And when I did that, you know, and submitting to their shows and competitions and My work was accepted, winning awards and whatnot. That kind of gave me a push or an uplift. Like, you know, there may be a possibility that I can make it. But I wanted to back up, you know, and I know I might be changing the stream here, is my work really changed also in the sense that since I was no longer doing commercial work and in the universities that I attended, There just wasn't anyone that looked like me that was put in a positive light in art history, in the books and so forth. So literally a lot of my life, I felt like I was walking around wounded. So when I decided to do my own work, I had made a vow to myself that I would make black and brown figures and people in my work because we weren't put in any positive light at all. So that was something that propelled me to, oh, and also women, you know, of course, women of color, people of color at all. So that kind of became like the theme of my work. So that's kind of like where it is, not kind of, but that's where it is now. But I wanted to also, I know I might be a little scattered here, but I wanted to back up to when I came out of New York, my subject matter was dealing with jazz, blues, gospel, legends, and that's because I was influenced by the, the music scene coming from there to here. And then seeing all of the things that were going on all over the country, then being a PK, a preacher's kid, I went into the more the spiritual realm with my work, where I started doing angels and interpreting scriptures from the Bible and putting them into a visual perspective and my own interpretation visually. And then I also wanted to create positivity. So I did a series called the I Am Series, meaning series with positive affirmations. And from there, then transitioning on, and of course, I'm not calling years, leaving out the (laughs) age. No, we've
0: established (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) I transitioned into dealing with America's history and Black American experience and the years of harm that had been done. Yes, And so that kind of leads into where I am now with my work. My work is a visual retelling of the historic harm, but it is presented in a way where it is, it crosses, it's symbolic and it crosses boundaries between contemporary and historic subjects. And it is very detailed, very meticulous compositions, But I also like to, some people ask what inspires me. Whatever touches my spirit or my soul inspires me. And when I say that, but it's still dealing with our history, America's history. But my aim, even though it is a retelling of the historic harm, my aim is to promote advancement, to promote hope, to propel personal well-being in my work. You know, the way that is presented. And it's kind of presented in an unusual way in the sense that I use surrealism, which is a more of a contemporary form for a historic subject. It's gotten a lot of positivity. I think it scares some people facing some truths, but it has been positively received in the sense that in 2021, you know jumping forward, I was given a solo, awarded a solo exhibition at Tag Gallery on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. And the title of my show was called uh, called Soul's Cry. And it dealt with a lot of the imagery that I'm referring to now. And I wasn't sure if the owner of the gallery was going to hang my work, but he was like 100% behind me, you know, and in front of me and encouraging me and uplifting and it was a great show. It created a lot of buzz, a lot of conversation. It was aired online. One woman actually said that she had hoped that I would do a book. And I said, wow, that, that was really uplifting, right? And so, again, coming forward, where I wanted to be more prepared for this podcast, but I have to tell you, I'm trying to keep from, what you say, being overwhelmed, because well, I just received an email that you know my work has to be at another gallery by the fourteenth, which is I think this is that next Saturday or this coming set next Saturday or whatever. Yeah, right, the 14th. right. Yep. No, that's this coming Saturday. Right. Where right. the Los Angeles Art Association selected my work for solo exhibition at Gallery Eight Twenty Five on La Cienega Boulevard.
0: Bravo! Yes. Congratulations. Yes.
1: <laughs> and the opening reception is on the twenty-first. Right. And the show is going to run from January through February 24th. So I'm biting my nails, trying to make sure sh- I'm hoping that,
0: you know, I'm praying to be ready. And then prior to that. Yeah. Buena. Yeah. You've got work to do. What are you t- doing? Talking to me. I. <laughs> 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 I feel like I realize now you've got more important things to do, hey, my friend. Stop
1: it. <laughs> this this is like totally priority. <laughs> I I'm so honored because of all that you guys love that, it. Well, that not real so art exciting. has done for us and is going to do for us, and what I read, you know, about the exposure, we can never get enough exposure. So I am I am most grateful, and especially for this podcast. Thank you. I also wanted to add that last was it Friday. Well, let me back up. I went to Miami. I did Art, well, Red Dot, which is a satellite of Art Basel. Yep. And two days before I left, I picked up, I don't know if you want to call it the R- RSV or the flu, whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry So that's that. why I'm
1: signing a little horse now. It really is something else. So I'm on the tail end of the cough. I'm, I'm pretty yes. much well now. And saying that, when I got back... I had submitted to, it's called Angel Open. It was an art show at another at Tag Gallery. And I submitted, but I'm one of those people who I want to make sure that I don't expose anybody else, even though I still mask up and wear gloves. I decided not to go to the opening reception. It was streamed live online on Instagram. And I'm I'm sitting there looking at it. And the president of the gallery says, one of the top awards you know, he named it out, goes to Buena Johnson. Is Buena Johnson here? And everybody's looking around. The gallery was packed. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not there. Uh And not being there, still won an award. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So the blessings keep coming. I'm so humbled, so grateful, so honored. You have no idea. Words don't even express my gratitude. So just won won an award there. And with the solo exhibition coming up, and then Colored Pencil Society, because, well, I didn't state that. Most of my work is done in pencils. Very detailed pencil takes hours upon hours. The International Society, my work has inspired work, has won an awards there, and I was just recently contacted that they would like to do a complete article on myself to be published in To the Point magazine. And they gave me a deadline for that by the 30th of this month. And I'm like, people, I'm honored by all the blessings, but how am I going to be able to do all of this? So help, Scott.
0: (laughs) Are you a writer? It's an embarrassment... Right. It's a, it's an embarrassment of riches. And, but that, that is also, you know, it's why they call it work. And by the way, it's also return on your investment of not just your 10,000 and 20,000, but 30,000 and 40,000 hours. I mean, you've earned this, Mm -hmm. right? You've earned it. You truly have. And yes, of course, it's, you know, always a little stressful and there's never enough time. And that's just because life's a four letter word, right? But you deserve it. And just lean into it, bask in it. Don't (laughs) be, stay in the moment. Don't worry about tomorrow or yesterday. Just focus in the moment, trying to observe and soak it all in. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, the old saying about nothing succeeds like success. I mean, you know, the more success you have, the more success you'll get. And this thing will snowball on wow. you. You know, I'm looking forward
1: to it. You know, I, I'm looking forward to my big day. But mm, I think even mm. more importantly is the message that I'm putting out there in my work. That is so important mm. to me. And community is important.
0: Yep. yep.
1: I know you didn't ask me, but... In all that I'm saying, you know, some of the things that I am most proud of, of course, number one, is I'm a mother. My daughter is just amazing. She's using the old cliche, the wind beneath my wings. She's one of my harshest critics and critiquing my work. (laughs) But the one thing that she always tells me is put in the work, mom, don't rush it. And then after that, give yourself some self-care. So she always promotes that. Yes. Yeah. So she's one of my biggest accomplishments. I'm considered that an art accomplishment because she is a work of art. And then one of my other mm.
0: accomplishments your masterpiece.
1: <laughs> my Thank you. That is it. You said it. My masterpiece. And then some of my other accomplishments is giving back, you know, giving back to the community where I had the opportunity as an artist in resident to teach all age groups up to, I think, 18 years of age. And what culminated is an art exhibition and the community was invited. You know, the parents were excited, the students were excited. And it just, you know, to me, that just really touched my heart, especially with the students that came back and wrote notes and said what it meant to them. Art has been taken out of most schools. So it was, it was an after school program. And, you know, because I'm passionate, I love people and I love art and putting them together. I wanted I put so much of myself into it because I, I wanted to just give more than 110 percent. I want to give 200 percent. What drove me in some of the projects that I did is because when I asked one of the students, what did they see when they thought about their community? And one of the students said, just point blank, said drugs. And that just felt like an arrow went in my heart. Like, oh, my God, that's, that's what she sees overall for the community is drugs. And so I proposed and had all of the students community meeting where we composed an art project that was based on positivity. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience for me and for the community. So, you know, I just wanted to, I won't go into specifics unless you want me to, but it was amazing. It was just uplifting for everyone concerned.
0: I'm so glad you shared that story. And I would love to hear specifics because I mean, at the end of the day, we have to be the light in the darkness, right? And art provides that illumination, a mirror, art often holds a mirror up, but also can be a window as well, right? You know, to a new future. What a gift for that community and for those kids that- you were able to take that project on and bring that positive energy.
1: And also I wanted to add, it was completely free to the students. Right. Even the art supplies were donated. So they did not have to buy anything. So that was an, a really added plus to the overall projects.
0: What was the final output of that project? Was it a mural?
1: Well, what it what ended up is because what was said by the young lady, by the young student, is i ended up drawing feathers out of thick cardboard and each student received a feather to decorate any way they wanted and it could include painting on it collaging whatever they felt their input but it had to be positive words and positive input so each student decorated the feather they that as they wished or as they felt, and then all of us got together and made made wings out of the feathers, like angel wings, uh, two wings sticking out on each side, and with all the positive affirmations. And when it was completed, it was hung up in the library. And on the day of the presentation or reception the students and the parents, I mean, they were like standing in line to stand in front of the angel wings with the positive affirmations and they were photographed. And not only that, one other part of the project was, was a silhouette of each of the students. And within the students, within the silhouette were also, you know, the students created positive affirmations of drawings or collaging or words and all that was put together. So it was a culmination of both that filled the entire room with their work, with their silhouettes, positive affirmation silhouettes, and the angel wings. So yeah, the parents were excited. The students were excited. We shared the photos. People from different communities came in. And the head of the library was so impressed with the outcome and the turnout that they asked if it could remain as a permanent fixture in the local community library.
0: That was my next question. Where are the wings now? And the fact <laughs> that they uh, kept them there yes. is just uh, the perfect ending to that beautiful journey there. And when was that? Was that recently? Was that a few years ago? That was a couple of years ago, yes. Yes. A couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I want to go back, Buena, to your time at Pratt. You touched on this, and and I'd like to maybe go a little deeper because representation is so important. And kids grow up to be doctors. They want, they, kids grow up and, and want to be doctors and police officers and athletes because they see them on TV. So many, you know, African Americans grew up watching a white television with white actors playing you know various roles, and the black experience in America, obviously hugely underrepresented in the media landscape, so on and so forth. That's changing, thankfully, yes. long overdue. But your time at Pratt, for starters, the fact that you had a vision for yourself to be able to want to become an artist. I mean, as your parent, you know, i you know, thinking about your parents, you know, any parent for that matter, let alone your parents, like this idea that- to get a real job, something that's safe, something that's practical, something that's going to pay the bills and put food on the plate. But yet, you being the rebel that you are, <laughs> you being the the artist that you are, you you follow your bliss, you follow, you have the courage to follow your bliss. You end up at Pratt. How many black students at Pratt were there when you were enrolled?
1: Well, wow. statistically I am not sure the number, but I remember that there may have been only one other person of color in my class one other black person there were other nationalities and that was kind of uh, the way it was throughout my education even at i think it was like it was at philadelphia college of art there was only one other you know person of color in my class or I can't remember which university it was. I, I went, I, you know, moved around a lot. That sometimes it was only like two of us on campus. And the hard part is that when something came up in class, that we were, or I was, to speak for the entire African American race. So to me, that was like a lot of, not say pressure, but misrepresentation because. We were all we were all Americans, just underrepresented. Yep. So it was better in New York, but everything needed, you know, some improvement.
0: I ask about this only because I'm trying to paint a picture here, of and honor you as a trailblazer, because there's so much pressure in society, no matter where you come from. I mean, there's pr- there's pressure in family, right, from family, right, to maybe you know, be a certain way, have a certain job, do a certain thing. And so to have the courage to, you know, be an individual and stand up for yourself, you know, in in that context is, is, can be very challenging. Yeah. And then you go and yeah, sure. New York is New York and it's clearly a very diverse place, but racism is everywhere and, and privilege is everywhere and disparity Is everywhere. Classically, right? I mean, art school was for rich white kids. I mean, just to be over over simple, you know, just very basic. I mean, that's it. Right. And so I just want to spend a minute, you know, and honor your journey as a really a trailblazer to be able to go a have the opportunity to go to get into Pratt and then be there. And then, of course, you know, deal with the ignorance of people who thought that you would speak for the entire African-American experience. Yes. (laughs) It comes from a good place, I know, but it's, you know, very naive and ignorant. But here you were, and you're carrying the torch, and you're, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, and you're this trailblazer. And I I just want to honor you for that and ponder that and let that sort of sink in a little bit for our listeners, because... Because that was, it was a different time. I think maybe a lot of young kids these days who saw, a, you know, our first black president, right. Right. See so many African-American actors uh, on television playing doctors and lawyers and cops and whatever, you know, it's, it's so much better. It's, we got a long way to go. I'm not saying it's done. It's not, of course it isn't. But I'm just saying to think back of, of your experience back, you know, whether it was seventies or whatever it was, cause we're not talking years. We know that.
1: Eighties. Okay.
0: Yeah, well, you know, eighty-seven, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that it was it was a different time, and I'm inspired by your strength, your courage.
1: Well, the the positive thing about it, and I'm sorry to cut you off on that. The positive thing about it that I can bring from that is that it influenced what I do now. Yes, it made me become an advocate from what yes. of my experiences of what I you know went through being told certain things like you're an exception kind of thing, you know, to your race. I mean, during those times that many times they didn't, they thought that they were complimenting you, but at the same time it was an insult, you know? And so the positive, like I said, the positive aspect that I can bring from that is now that I can put that in my work, that it can, it can propel my message now and speak to people. And also the positive thing about having Endured and received degrees is that here in California. Now, you asked me about Los Angeles, something that I didn't think about bringing up is that that propelled me to become an instructor at a major university here in Los Angeles, an art teacher where I taught for eight years. So that helped supplement my artistic career as well. And then now, on the side, sometimes I teach privately art lessons online. And the pandemic hurt a lot of us in the sense that when it came in 2020, the university that I was teaching at, you know, they closed their doors, they allowed teaching online for a while. And then everything kept changing where they said, now teach, we want you back in person. But yet the pandemic was still looming. So, you know, there were decisions to be made there of do you lose your income or your life? (laughs) So, but I'm just, I brought that up to say that it's an honor to have been able to teach at a major university in LA and also take that training and still can apply it to private teaching and teaching and workshops at different locations here in in Los Angeles and just do your best to thrive as an artist. And I did go ahead and get a real estate license. I held many hats, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's just about tools in the toolbox. And that's just smart. You know, the more tools in the toolbox, the more stuff you can make. That's it.
1: Well, the thing is, though, when you move away from your calling, from your gift, and I do thank God, I believe that my art is a gift from God. Even though I went through universities and studied, I believe that it was an innate gift. So when I went to universities, it wasn't so much that, you know, as I said, you know, I already had the gift of art. It was just now honing and learning different techniques. And so now to be able to teach and give that back and put that into my work. When I was just recently in Miami at Art Basel, It always affects me or surprises me when I've had people to literally cry looking at my work because they're saying it touches them. You know, it's talking about history and something that they can relate to. And I'm not talking about just African-Americans. I think this man was from Brazil or Bolivia or something. And it said it reminds them of what, you know, his history and what he went through or the inspirational art that I've done or the spiritual art you know, where a lady came up to me and she said, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't know much about this God you have in your work that you're talking about. But she said, you know, I've been given a certain amount of time to live. And she said, I have cancer. But she said, your work has so touched me. She said, I wanted to ask you if you would pray for me.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So when those kind of experiences keep happening, it just keeps inspiring me that I'm on the right path. Now to speak to my work, speaking to our history, America's history, when we continuously have, when I want to step away from it, saying, "Okay, we are we are healing, we're in a better place," then you got the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the movies coming out about Emmett Till. Our history it doesn't stop. History is 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 being made. You know, it's right before us. So I think my work is timely. If it's a visual retelling of our past, hopefully it can correct what's happening in our future, in our now and in our future, you know, going forward, being an advocate and creating a sense that we need to heal, telling America and the nation to get to a better place.
0: Yes. 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 And, yeah,
1: and that's what's in my work.
0: Yes. 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 Yes, it is. And you know, I'm I'm reminded of the old saying about you know sunlight is the best disinfectant, and <laughs> I love you know, that your light, your work is that sunlight that helps to bring the truth and bring the antidote to the cancer, right? That uh, we deal with still to this day in this country with racism.
1: It's a help in healing my soul as well, and mm. going forward, and just. Being a voice to try to penetrate, like you said, some of what's going on, but in a positive way and illuminating the historic harm. But not to like, I almost said not throw it in your face, but it is in your face because some things need to be blatant in your face. But also the whole, like I said, overall view is to create well-being and healing from it and hope. And I hope that is conveyed when one sees my work as
0: well yeah there's a power to your work i just it really is i haven't sadly yet seen it in person Uh, i've only seen it online
1: january 21st opening reception it's gallery
0: 825 come by i will i will uh, i'll come by the gallery and see your work for sure and yeah i will absolutely and there's such a depth of riches of power uh, an intelligence a truth and a beauty of course to your work That I see. And I just love that story about the about the woman diagnosed with cancer. That's just that really says it all right there.
1: Yeah, that to me, like I said, just made my entire year because, you know, just for someone with something so personal to not even know me, to open up to me that way, and to say that it had that kind of effect on her, that's priceless. Mm -hmm. That's priceless. And now I'm embarking soon upon a new series of work. I'm excited, continuing the path that I am on with the current work, but I'm going to branch out into a new series that's going to be dealing with empowering women and uplifting women. So I've already sketched out some ideas and looking at canvases and just a new breath, wanting to get started and as my daughter says, you need to work larger, mom, work larger. So
0: let's <laughs> see how that
1: works out. Working larger in a, in a still same small space.
0: <laughs> well, right, right. That's so, right. It's like yeah, yeah. That's gonna be exciting.
1: Yes. <laughs> so always is, looking for for <laughs> for new paths and creating and just to back up to say that it's your organization and people like you, like not real art grant you all do not realize the impact that you have to help artists to keep creating to, like you said, it's more than the funds, but definitely the funds help with the materials, the supplies and so forth. But also like you're saying, continuing with the podcast and getting our names out there. I mean, that's our future. That's exposure. That's, that's things money can't buy. And that's what we need to continue to breathe, to thrive as artists. So, again, the funds are very helpful. Don't get me wrong. Definitely. We need that. But the whole package, like what you all are offering, keep using my same word, you can't put a price on that because you don't know where it's going to take you. You know, who's going to see the work when you're putting it on the podcast, when you are giving us that exposure? Who knows? you know how that would elevate us. So again, I'm so grateful especially amongst like I said, I'm sure the talent was amazing. It's just like a needle in a haystack of favor that allowed my work to be picked and I'm I'm so grateful.
0: Well, you're so welcome and and we're and we're grateful and you know our judges did an amazing job I think of selecting an incredible class of winners this year. Sometimes I pinch myself. I feel like, you know, how did I, how did I end up with the best job in the world that I get to talk to human beings like you, Buena? And I'm just so grateful and, and more to come. And you're right. I mean, you know, the reason we started the grant was largely because we knew that in addition to, of course, you know, funds that are practical and can be used to, you know, buy supplies or pay rent or whatever the case might be, we wanted to sort of put the candy coating on that and the candy coating really is the pr and the marketing and the promotion because we've been doing this a long time working in the arts and the one thing that we see is that artists really need exposure they need amplification right. yes. they, they need boosting and so that's what we thought we so well okay you know let's start a grant that there's a financial element but let's you know bolt on these value-added things that, that help artists tell their stories and promote their work, hopefully to new communities and new parts of society, right? Because the number one thing holding artists back is lack of demand. I mean, we've got to stoke demand for original art in this country. And uh, hopefully heartfelt human conversations like you and I are having right now helps to you know, inspire and empower folks who might be intimidated, right, by the art world or artists because they think that, you know, maybe they're not rich enough or smart enough or fancy enough or whatever. And the reality is that's all bullshit. <laughs> it's like, just <laughs> find art that speaks to you. Find art that you want to see every day. Pay that artist some money and take that art at home and everybody will live a little richer as a result of that, spiritually, number one. So, Buena Johnson, I'm so grateful for you to come through today, and and I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got you've got a big show coming up, my friend. You've got to get to work. I know,
1: I know. Oh my god, my goodness! Like, I'm just a, I'm a bundle of nerves, you know. Oh. But you know, I'm I'm going to put forth my best, you know, and hopefully, I've done necessary outreach. I know that there's so much more I need to do. I'm grateful that the gallery is, you know, is helping with so much, you know, installation and sending out announcements. And now I'm also announcing it on Not Real Art Podcast. That's right. You know, that's the plug. Indeed. And also I wanted to to let you know that I have work that's going to be opening up pretty much at the same time at the California Heritage Museum in Santa Monica. Oh, wonderful. And that show is going to be running January 21st. Through April 30th, still kind of going back to what I said. You're all over the place. (laughs) 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 It's so great. You know why this means so much to me, not only because of what's happening is because being a visual artist, a woman of color, a woman, period, in this vein of selecting art as a profession it's a tough journey. Mm. You know, we don't get much recognition, you know, and I'm not talking about as of color but as women period historically. So for me, this is this means that's why I said words can express how much this means. You yeah. know, because it goes across all kinds of channels. Just to having this opportunity. So it means much. So know that.
0: Well, yes. Thank you for that. And uh, we're just better for knowing you, better for having you as part of our community and our family. I'm so excited to soon, I'm going to meet you soon, finally, in person. (laughs) I I can't wait.
1: I would love, I would love that because you have such energy. I want to feed off your energy. (laughs) So so be careful what you you wish
0: for. (laughs) My wife, my wife (laughs) said that once and she's been regretting it ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) So,
1: so, but may I state that if anyone would like to see any more of my work, I do have a website. It is art by Buena, and Buena is B as in Buena, U-E-N-A, artbybuena.com. And, you know, even though I'm not one of the youngsters, I am on Instagram. (laughs) And it's at. Bueno. Uh,
0: but you are you on TikTok?
1: <laughs> now, it's, now you had to go there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'm not on TikTok either. I'm not so on you TikTok. know, you and I, 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 I have no time. I'm sorry. Yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, and
0: I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I uh, Instagram. Where? What's your handle on Instagram?
1: And my handle is. You know, I don't know if you want the whole thing. It's the https dot dot backslash backslash W-W- no, www. No, no, ion- no. We
0: don't need that. We just need the at.
1: That's at Buena. That's B U E N A Vision. Vision Victor I S I O N Art A R T at Buena Vision Art, and I'm on Facebook. That's at Buena dot So yes, so I am on social media.
0: Wonderful. Trying to
1: get it out
0: there. Wonderful. And what's your home address? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and your phone number and. <laughs> and my firstborn fingerprints, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And your social security number, Buena. Wait, 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 what is hey, that? Please. Watch uh, out, wait. Scott. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, my friend. Well, you are a gift and we're so grateful for you. And please just keep being you, doing everything you're doing. The world's a better place. Thank you for it. And we're better for it. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today.
1: It's been my pleasure. And I certainly hope I haven't sound too scattered, but art is important.
0: And so is the podcast. No, it's been wonderful. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank
1: you so much. You're such a
0: delight. You're so welcome stay right there. Don't go anywhere. We're going to sign off, but I'm going to chat with you here for a moment. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the not real art podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.